your weekly Selk Grassroots podcast, brought to you by the Down to Play app. Welcome to Match Fix, a brand new Selk production podcast, bringing you everything you want to know about the women's grassroots game. Welcome to episode two of Match Fix. It's here already. I'm going to keep this part short and sweet because this week's interview is well worth the listen. But what a week it has landed on. Announced by the government and confirmed by the FA on the 29th of March, football is back. Sort of. Maybe. We're not totally sure yet, actually. It's down to our county FAs, maybe a bit of voting, some club decisions. So it's a real watch this space moment for our grassroots clubs right now. But we are one step closer to our beautiful game. That said, without sounding like too much of a negative Nancy, I was disheartened to see that the June playing extension doesn't apply to the women's football pyramid from tier three national league all the way down to our county leagues at tier seven however i guess that means we just make the most of the opportunity should we get the chance to play this season that's enough from me for now keep listening for part two having trouble tracking who can play and who can't download down to play before your next match the first app to purely focus on player availability get down to play for free in the app store and google play Welcome to part two of Match Fix. Today I am joined by Dan Merricks, the head coach at Upton Park Ladies. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. No it's problem at all. Pleasure to be on. Absolutely. How are you? How's things? Yeah, really good, you know. Um, obviously, like a lot of people, look, I've had my ups and downs myself um, during lockdown. I think what people don't take into consideration with regards to coaches, it's a little bit different to how the players feel in the respect of like, you know, it's not just Wednesdays and Sundays that, um, you know, we go out there and do our thing. We're planning all week. So it seems, uh, you know, the build up to the build up to training of planning and then the build up to the games of planning. And I'm somebody who's like really, really thorough, like fine detail as well. Mm. So like it's a full time job, even though it's a voluntary thing. And so when you take that away, I think like it's a lot more severe than it probably seems from the outside looking yeah. in. So I'm glad we've got some positive news now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that is massive. Like, we've timed this very well, haven't we, with the uh, kind of FA saying that, well, the government and the FA saying that football is back on the 29th of March. So, yeah, that's really exciting to kind of have that to look forward to. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, obviously, there's a lot of teams still unsure of what the league's going to look like or whether it's going to continue or be extended, um, you know, in different um different divisions, different um, places of the country. But one thing's for sure is football is coming home and uh, we can we can at least start to plan ahead for something, whether that be friendlies or just competitive training. Just being around the girls will just be like something I'm really excited about. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's great to hear. Um, so, obviously, we are still kind of currently in a lockdown, but um, I'll be honest, I've had a little stalk of you on LinkedIn and, and, and across your Twitter as well. You are a busy man. I don't think there is a course that you haven't done. Like, Do you want to kind of tell us what's kept you busy during lockdown at all? Yeah, sure. So, um, 
self-development has been a massive part of my life for about five years now. Uh, one one of the reasons um, for that was, you know, I've, I've been born and raised in a real small community in um, southwest Wales. And um, I felt I always felt like there was a glass roof um, on the community that I had. And um, even with like my parents and other people I knew, it was almost like the ambition only went so far with them. Mm. Um, something that I wasn't always comfortable with. And I I kind of shrunk myself to fit in that um, sort of in that sort of culture that was being created there. Um, since moving to London, finding my wife and having a baby as well, um, things really like changed my perspective along with other experiences, of course, as well. And um, now I just seek self-development at every corner. Um, I try and be the best that I can be, not just for myself, but for my family. But also, you know, I take football as a serious thing. Football changed my life when I was a youngster. It built some transferable skills that I later on in life was able to transfer into management roles um, within a working environment. And now getting back into football on a managerial standpoint, I'm deadly serious about um, the steps I'm taking and I'm looking forward to sort of developing that more. So, like you said, I've been busy with the courses. I just think lockdown's a place where you can do one of two things. You can shrink like I used to um, and become a shadow of yourself, or you can become um, a better person coming out of it. Um, I know which one I choose. I don't know about you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, But, yeah, so for me, I've taken the opportunities that have came. Um, I'm also doing a degree alongside the courses as well in um, coaching and management so that's been um, really challenging with lockdown having to do it um, through zooms and stuff like that but it's all part of the learning experience and like I said I want to take football seriously I want to try and um, test myself at the highest level I can um, part of that is knowing that to be the best that I can be for the players I have to be the best version of myself and that requires me to do probably stuff that other people might not be in a position to do uh, through variants of reasons but yeah nice love that yeah really like yeah no, i can relate to that mentality and yeah like you i've kind of i don't think i've been this busy in my life for a few years now than i have been in lockdown now which kind of seems a bit strange to say but yeah no i absolutely rate that love that so um we'll talk about that a little bit more but let's kind of go back let's kind of start with like you sure. tell me your own kind of football story did you have you did you play as a kid for example yeah so <laughs> my football story is and I hope people listening can relate. You know, I, I was in school. Um, I played played football from a very young age. But um, like most environments, when you're a guy um, coming up against other guys, um, the competitive nature of it, I just, I didn't really, like, I love being competitive. I'm competitive in nature, but I'm very, I'm also the other side where I'm very helpful and I really want other people to win. Yeah. And I try and, you know, um, facilitate that whereas growing up uh, in football culture as a kid it wasn't like that you know it was uh, free for all everyone stepping on everyone's face to try and get where they need to be and uh, yeah a lot of the boys to be fair didn't rate me much as a footballer I remember one example of that um, I got I got an opportunity to trial for like the centre of excellence at the time around my area mm. and I remember three of us lads being told that we're going to trial and the whole week during school it was like Dan's definitely not getting in like the other two that are going with him are better and they can only choose like one from each sort of school yeah um 
And I remember going with the mentality of like, I love being the underdog. I always have been it. So I guess I just thrive in that role. And that role in particular, you know, I ended up being the one that was chosen. So that goes to show what, um, you know, what people's uh, thoughts got them. Um, But yeah, I think I've always been in that situation where I've been like caught sort of like caught in the middle where it's underrated by managers and stuff like that. But fortunately I got, an opportunity to sort of go to college and play. And then that led to a few opportunities sort of like um, in academies and stuff like that in Welsh Premier League sort of um, regions and stuff. Nice. So, uh, yeah, I played at a decent level in in um, in Wales, but nothing like, you know, we're frightened home about. Um, but I guess that as well has also shaped me as a coach, right? Sort yeah. of adopting different behaviours to the ones that, you know, I sort of didn't get on with. Yeah, nice, absolutely. So when when came that point, so you've clearly kind of had an exciting and interesting kind of football career yourself, but when, when came that point when you thought, I'm, I'm going to get into coaching now? And where did you initially start with coaching? You, have you always coached in the women's game? Um, did you start in the men's game? Did you start coaching sure. kids? Yeah, so that's so I've done a sports science diploma mm-hmm. and alongside that sports science diploma, I've done some community like outreach um, with like coaching. So I started coaching in local schools and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, that's how that came about. And then through naturally, like through playing, I've just always felt like I've always felt sort of like um, an eagerness to like learn and listen and observe. I'm quite an observant person. So mm. the thing is with me, right, people mistake me, I guess, because they think because I do communicate or talk a lot that I don't listen. But I just have this innate feeling that, I'm able to talk more because I listen more yeah. and I actually listen to listen, not listen to respond. And so um, I've always been that way. And even I I can remember every single behavior of every single coach I have because I was just so aware and yeah. I think that contributed. And so I started off in the men's game to answer your question. Um, and then Again, I just couldn't relate to it because it was just very like, like dog eat dog. Um, you know, it was very like un like unhelpful in ways. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong. There's some brilliant coaches out there, right? Um, and I'm sure this is not the case for everyone. It's just my experience, and I can only shape my life and my reality off of that. Um, so, so yeah. To be fair, I got into like hairdressing for a while Mm. um, as a like profession and I felt like a lot of those transferable skills again came from you know managing um, salons where it was largely female based yeah Um, I just got on and clicked with females a lot better I clicked with females a lot better in school as well to be fair majority of my friendship circle was female yeah I just I just connect differently with them it's probably because of the femininity within me um, to be fair. Mm-hmm. So um, that was kind of my decision making with regards to going into women's football was like, what do I connect with? Like, I want to coach from the heart, not just from my head. Yeah. So like, how do I connect to that part of me? And then I realized that no matter what you want, like, even if I want to aspire to be the best coach possible and make it in a professional game, like I shouldn't be blinded by the money or the fame and stuff like that. So yeah. what does my heart connect with? And it it's just women. Like I just enjoy being around 
women the subtleties that they bring to certain things and you know um i've been around it for long enough to sort of know what it's know what it's like so hopefully some of the things that i'm bringing to the women's game now will be based off of the great relationships and connections i've had previously yeah absolutely i think that's such an interesting point that you made as well about how you listen to listen not to respond i think yeah that's just like a massive kind of part of i guess just the human connection really but even more so now in football absolutely yeah like it's so important that you're kind of listening to what people are saying and i think especially within the women's game as well like a lot it often it feels like you aren't listened to doesn't it so yeah i think that's like a really important part of coaching definitely yeah i think um women um want a lot of detail with uh the coaching i've noticed that more than sort of the men you know once you've once you've created the respect in the men's game with your with those uh male counterparts you can get them to like do whatever you want and they'll just do it whereas women sort of stretch your capacity as a coach um they almost ask you to be better because you have to teach the detail there is a why to what we do you know there is a purpose to what is being asked rather than it just being a command it's a conversation yeah absolutely you mentioned as well about how there's some subtleties I guess that's one of them but you said okay there was plural to it is there any other kind of things that you've noticed particularly in the women's game that's different to coaching in the men's game yeah um so there is the sort of why and you know the how and what does it benefit and they want to know that so we've touched on that but there's also the the like I feel this overwhelming like feeling of like joy from players for you as a coach when you succeed. Yeah. So like for instance, I, I remember in our process, which we'll probably touch upon mm-hmm. at the club, um, I remember in our process we were going through like a moment where it was difficult and I remember even before that moment, I was always saying, trust the process, trust the process. Mm -hmm. And as cliche as it is, you have to really trust it. And I remember that one game where we came out of that process and got a result. And I remember them being joyful for me and not joyful for them. That's the difference that I find. I find that they want to do right by you because they can feel that you're uh, providing that you are doing it for the right reasons they can feel that you're giving everything the reward comes back i've just never felt that from my experience at least within the men's game i've kind of felt like they take the joy for them and you're sort of left on the side yeah absolutely interesting yeah i like that i like that kind of vision i I can definitely relate to that as well definitely i think a lot of the time in our in my kind of team as well, especially kind of if we've tried something in training on Tuesday night and then we, we do it on Sunday and it's worked and someone's, I don't know, scored a goal. Not even necessarily scored a goal, actually, yeah. but you just see when that kind of that link up happens. It's so satisfying. And yeah, definitely. We are like nice, nice work coach kind of thing. Everybody. Yeah, definitely. Do, uh, do you, uh, what's your opinion? I mean, do you think this because I have this opinion that because um, female players haven't had the coaches that are either qualified, knowledgeable or willing to give them the time when they do have one of those three or a collective of those three, women just sort of are like very eager to sort of appreciate it, but also to use it to their advantage to obviously develop. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, absolutely. I I mean, it's a little bit difficult for me because I'm actually just like 
from episode one, if I mentioned it, like, like I'm really new to like actually playing football. I only started playing football like two years ago. So I never had kind of football playing up. Like, I never, when I was growing up, I never had football to kind of, I obviously watched a lot of it and stuff, but I didn't, I didn't really play it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And so like even my first team <clears throat> last year, um, our coaches weren't, they weren't qualified in it, kind of any coaching or anything like that, but they were just there because they were just like, there's an opportunity to kind of grow a women's team here. And I, I mean, sadly, the team folded, but yeah. the kind of interest and the passion was definitely there. But I'd see it more so with my coach now because he has kind of got those qualifications in, like, in there and stuff like that. And you definitely kind of see that kind of, like, as you're saying, that kind of the passions there and the like, yeah, just that real enthusiasm for everybody to kind of do well. So yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to necessarily come from qualifications. Obviously, they help, right? But um, it can just be like someone's actual desire to want to help you to succeed will get you so far as well. Yeah. Um, And then maybe the person with the qualifications will step in and take care of some of the other um, things that are necessary for the development. But I think it's important that women have coaches, and this is not blowing smoke up anyone, you know, or trying to make out that I get everything right because some things I don't and I'm still learning and developing like yeah, everyone but I think women just want to like feel like they're deserving and I think the women's game can go to the next level again once we get rid of this subconscious thought pattern that they don't deserve some of the things that um the male game has once they encompass how much they do deserve and once they start actually demanding their worth as well yeah from their coaches we'll see a massive impact yeah no i absolutely agree i think a lot of it as well is that i think especially in the kind of professional game as well you see this a lot is that the kind of the men's game is the standard to set whereas actually like why does it have to be a kind of yeah i don't want to be too much of an equality warrior about it but like yeah, <laughs> why why does the men's game have to be the kind of set of standard like you i mean obviously we're both playing the same game but you have to recognize that they are kind of different aren't they so and a lot of that has come from kind of where the women's game kind of is, has only begun to sort of develop in the last, I don't know, 20, 30 years. Well, maybe more than that. Maybe the last 50 years. But yeah, even more so in the last sort of 20-odd years, I'd say. Yeah, you, ha- you like It's okay to recognise that the two games are different, but actually the kind of men's game doesn't have to be the standard. I'll pose a question, though, on that. <laughs> the women's game was massive back in the day, right? The FA yeah. stopped it. Yeah. So could we argue that the men are actually... Uh, replicating what the women have already done and so us replicating what the men done is only really replicating what we first done what women first done anyway yeah so arguably it's a like two-edged sword isn't it you know like you've got the men who are like yeah this is how you do it but they're just mimicking the success that got women having thousands of people observing their games before you know, the FA or whoever was in charge of the decision to abolish it, um, you know, when they made that decision, they still have replicated some things. Otherwise, you wouldn't have the crowds that that similarly the women's uh, teams had way back. So it's like a, it's a funny one, but I just would like to hear from other coaches to whether, are we actually replicating? 
replicate it and looking to replicate the men's game or the men's game actually replicating what the women did once we just forget yeah no absolutely that's a big point kind of a bit of inception there as well i like it the idea of it yeah (laughs) no it's definitely an interesting one to consider if anybody wants to let us know after this episode's gone out like please let's have a discussion about it i love that idea yeah definitely Mm. one that's a food for thought for sure (laughs) yeah i think one thing you'll get from uh any podcast with me is a bit of controversy so (laughs) i'm here for it i'm here for it let's have a discussion on it oh i love it um okay so let's talk Upton Ladies in that case. Oh, actually, did you coach a ladies team before Upton Ladies or is this your first women's team? Yeah, no. So I co- I coached um, a couple of teams, but this is the first sort of like open age uh, women's team. It was girls teams before, right? But yeah. Um, yeah, I just felt now was the right time to go into that. And there was a lot of logic behind it as well in the sense of, like, I could have just come out with a new girls team, right? But what I wanted to do was ensure the top level that we have in the club drips down in the right way to the pathway. And I seen it like that in my head and Mm -hmm. just done it, as as opposed to starting off at 10s and getting all the way to... um seniors and half of that truthfully was probably because i'm so ambitious even though i want upton park to succeed and it will succeed for sure there are going to be moments where that's with someone else at the helm because i have other things but right now my focus is purely on growing upton park but that was the sort of thinking behind it at least Nice, yeah, I like that, yeah. Um, so, I mean, you picked a kind of slightly random time in the middle of a pandemic to begin the team, but, I mean, <laughs> now's ne- a better time than ever, really, isn't it? So, you guys were formed back in June 2020, yeah. right? Yeah, cool. So, do you want to kind of tell us a little bit about how you kind of came to that sort of kind of sure. beginning the journey? Uh, I was sat out in my garden. Um, <laughs> Setting the, the scene was, here. <laughs> the, the weather was good then, so the pandemic hadn't really like hit home too much. Yeah. Um, we, we didn't know how long it was obviously going to be around for either at the time. So we didn't know it would still be here a year later, but um, yeah, I think it's kind of like proves in a way my point I previously made at the very beginning of the podcast about being somebody who's actively trying to learn, develop and, you know, um, actions back up what you know what i preach so the action i took in that in that moment in june um to do that was based off of what i previously said about wanting to always constantly learn and i felt like in that moment i was ready and i also felt that on the back end of like some of the things that were going on with sort of like west ham um and the fans sort of like being uh, you know, on the fence whether they support what, you know, the hierarchy do at that club. Mm-hmm. And then also knowing, you know, I live in, I live like um, near Upton Park. So um, I also get a feel for sort of like the community vibe in the sense of they still want something to connect that's heart centered. Yeah. Um, and I just felt we could, we could bring that we could bring something that connects to the community on a deeper level than maybe like the pros at sort of like West Ham and um, other places that are doing it differently. 
Nice, I like that. Yeah, it's a good beginning story, I think. So there is that kind of link with West Ham, though, isn't it? Because you play at their foundation. Kind of, how did that come about? Um, so obviously, with my background playing at academies, centre of excellence, and you know, enjoying those environments a lot of the time, wherever I played or, or even where I've coached previously, it's always felt like an elite environment. Mm-hmm. So I thought to myself with my assistant at the time, um, I thought to myself, where can we go that um, makes us different from all of the other teams that, you know, girls will want to go and play at? Um, How can we create something that's unique? And I just was like, my motto is always like, if you're going to do something, do it with excellence. Yeah. So like, I just thought, okay, if we go on a 4G pitch, we're going to have, we're going to minimize the games that we have called off because of weather. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be a huge con- uh, contributor because we can create more consistency within the team with games and stuff like that. Um, I thought to myself, you know, the accessibility for a lot of people um, is, you know, quite good in that location yeah. um, for various different locations of London. So either side and we have girls now from either side come in there. Mm-hmm. And then also, you know, we are a little bit fickle as people and we did sort of like when we hear like West Ham Foundation, we automatically think that it's a certain calibre. Yeah. I knew that. So there was some sort of sense in that as well. Um, and yeah, that was kind of like how we operated around there. And then obviously West Ham have treated us really good in terms of facilities and looking after us with, you know, that sort of thing, because they also see the buy-in from um, what we're trying to do from a, Upton Park standpoint and I think there's a couple of nuances there that help us um, with West Ham's relationship too. Nice yeah interesting. The other thing as well that's kind of big for you is that you're kind of really active in terms of the support that you have for your kind of partnership don't like with your sponsors for Mm. example so you've got four sponsors haven't you? Yeah so um, we've got a few yeah. (laughs) Do you want to Um, talk through them a bit? Yeah so we've got Mind who if it wasn't for mind and us having such a great connection on the very first call that we had during lockdown, mm-hmm. um, it would have been even more challenging to get this off the ground. They've sponsored us very heavily, um, helped us financially. Uh, but but above all else, in a moment where I decided to take a leap, they, they um, sort of compounded the confidence that I had in myself to do it. Yeah by actually buying in and going, you know what, yeah, you're right, this is what the community needs and we're going to back you. That sort of then um, confirmed that I was doing the right thing. So if it wasn't for them, that that might have been different. Secondly, Food for All, we have unbelievable people. Like when I say we're a club that tries to be like heart-centred, yeah. like the, the these two people that run this um charity the biggest hearts that you know i've met um they for a number of years have been feeding the community um of like newham and even wider across london um through their own money you know like they started off with their own money out of a soup kitchen um where where they gather for their faith and um it's sort of arose from that and it's gone on to you know be a phenomenal charity that 
feeds people that are really desperate you know during lockdown they've done such incredible work yeah um they've recently had a letter from uh the queen the office there um to you know celebrate the good work that they're doing so they're doing phenomenal work and they're looking to get more involved than they are currently as well um so now they've started to provide all the girls with sort of food after the game as well um from from the kitchen yeah um and then they're looking to you know develop that partnership with us and and because they're a great charity that are run really well i can trust the advice that's given to me yeah so um, there's a lot of advisory calls that we have and dialogue in relation to like how they can help me from m- potentially even turning the team into charity led, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. Uh, yeah. And then we've got mu- uh, newer music, which um, are great. They obviously do a lot for the youngsters in the area um, with regards to like music and concerts and just keeping them actively creative. And then you've got, uh, AKT who are uh, LGBTQ uh, community who help with homelessness um, all things that are really close to my heart and all things that connect on a deep level with a lot of the players too yeah absolutely it's a kind of impressive array of sponsors you've got there absolutely it's interesting that you mentioned about the music as well so um, it was Children's Mental Health Week recently and I kind of did a little kind of cameo video for one of my local clubs as well. And the one thing, so the theme was express yourself. And the one thing that I mentioned is that how important music is for our team. So like even just like getting us like psyched before a game and stuff like that. So yeah, it's just interesting yeah. that you kind of link the two together as well. So yeah, that's like, yeah, it's really, really interesting to hear. Yeah, the idea was to get them to come down and do halftime performance. <laughs> and that's going to happen we're going to make that a thing invite some families down and it'd be a real cool thing because you know i have ambition to having younger age groups within the club as well yeah um and so hopefully that will draw some families to recognize you know that we're doing more um than the average club and um and hopefully that will be helpful but at the same time obviously we can help with donations towards um their cause and them being able to continue as well but given the lockdown it was hard to do that right yeah of course yeah absolutely just yeah (laughs) good old lockdown um yes you mentioned akt there as well did you want to just speak a little bit more about you mentioned how they're kind of lgbtq plus and kind of to do with homelessness as well how did they kind of get involved with you as a club yeah so i kind of reached out to them on uh social and was just literally like i wanted his his what i wanted really i wanted somewhere knowing the people that we have within the club mm-hmm. who are part of that community the yeah. lgbtq community to feel like they have my support but beyond that if there are times of difficulty and trouble lockdown um homelessness like all of these things that they have like a go between with me and the charity to be able to sort of reach out and actually get the advice or even get, you know, rehomed, um, put in shelter, whatever it might be. We don't know. Like, you know, this is about player welfare as well, you know, um, these players, they're people and we have to remember that. And, and part of that is me making sure that I've got them, you know, Mm. and when you, I hope when you have a coach who is like, I've got you at every angle, 
Mm. You want to come out and you want to do well for that person. But equally, you want to also do well for you. And I think um, AKT, when I reached out to them and I proposed this and I said, look, you know, we do have a lot of people within that community and I do want to be the go-between and I do want to help those people um, if they're in a time of need. And equally, we want to also support the people you're currently helping yeah. in, um, by doing by doing charitable events and uh, you know, stuff like that of that nature. So that's how it came about. They bought it, they bought into what we were doing as a club as well, like the other sponsors. Um, they, you know, they have been good in the sense of they've recognised lockdown has been difficult for us to establish those events. So they've been good in that respect. But, you know, um, over the course of the next six months, 12 months, they'll have a lot more further support from us and further investment in what they're doing as well. Yeah, that's nice. I think that's one thing as well that the women's game like is really good for, kind of being that ally to people in from those different communities. Whereas obviously within the men's game, it's kind of virtually non-existent, isn't it? Whereas, yeah, I think definitely in the women's game, it's kind of people are much more comfortable with kind of being who they are as a person. And you kind of see, I, I, don't, yeah. I don't know if you've seen that in the last few weeks as well. So, for example, um, Peniel Harder um kind of opening her dms for people if they wanted to speak and stuff like that so yeah just and the fact that it's kind of trickling down to even grassroots just yeah it's just you can mm. see that kind of difference in the women's and the men's game definitely you can yeah and anyone that's willing to help out and sponsor a women's team i take my hat off for them to them sorry because you know sponsorship is difficult in any club but more specifically challenging within the women's game because there's this ideology that we can't regather the funds that are being given into us and how can we regenerate. But, you know, if you take a look at even our Twitter account of the last lockdown we were in, when we when all of our players and me included uh, and Jack, the assistant, ran 96K during the whole of um, that lockdown, raised almost £2,000, which mm. is a huge amount of the sponsorship mind of put in so you know we've we've already rewarded them for the investment and sometimes there is there is that naivety that you know women's clubs can't do that but i strongly suggest anyone listening who have debated sponsoring a women's club get behind your local women's team because that they have a lot of power you know um mm. women are almost like micro uh influencers yeah. right you know you can go they can go to a nursery they can go to their jobs they can go to the restaurant they can go chat with their friends their family and they can actually encourage like you know that fundraising yeah absolutely. Um, whereas whereas like you said in the men's clubs maybe the fundraising element there's a little bit more sort of bravado that stops them from doing that so i'd strong an open mind yeah, absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about the team then in that case. Um, so tell me kind of, um, well, just tell me about the team in general, actually, and then maybe tell me what your standout moment for the club has been so far. I guess sure. I, you haven't really had much of an opportunity to play too much, but I mean, tell <laughs> yeah. me as much as you can. So like what league do you guys play in? What what division are you? Yeah, cool. So um, we're in the Greater London Women's League, um, Division 2 uh, North. Um, a nice easy one to say there <laughs> yeah it it's obviously the entrance level of you know our league right we're a new club so we get put into the um entrance level of the league mm -hmm. um 
we we've done all right um, during the season um, that we were playing. Obviously, to be honest, and I've had this conversation with a lot of the girls at the club, right? When you first start in a club, it's a lot different to just walking in one. Um, there's so much that goes into building a club, you know, from the ground up, whether it be walking in in like July and putting on uh, like trials yeah if you like or like if it was more like open training if i'm honest yeah um open training fifth like 50 girls turned up and you know these are girls who have either never played football before mm-hmm. have minimal experience or haven't been coached in the appropriate way meaning haven't been coached sort of like the finer details of the game yeah more of a broader coaching um so so there is like that element of like you're building from the foundation and you know we've had one of the you asked me to say a couple of things about the best moments and i think the best moments i've had is when a 40 a 35 to 40 year old walked in and came to the open training and said I've never played football before I want to give this a shot and mm-hmm. she got a shot from us played in every one of the friendly games upskilled beyond even my comprehension yeah. because like the but it was through her desire and determination right I can only do so much you can take a donkey to water you can't make it drink yeah but like she came with the energy she wanted to improve you could see that she took one-to-one training separately from me. She was on it, right? Yeah. And now she's built her confidence enough in football to now, you know, last month she approached me during lockdown and was like, look, Dan, don't think the team's for me anymore. I was like, great, good news. Yeah. Because, like, you know, I'm not building you to just stick around here and stay in my glass roof. Yeah. I want you to smash through it and do what you got to do. But football's changed my life and trying to help it change others and she's now um doing a lot of stuff community wise and for football yeah with um she's started her own five-a-side team amazing which is awesome like this girl didn't even know what football was <laughs> net she was from australia netball was her sport you know she's gone and bought a sky package for her house making her husband sit and watch it those <laughs> things are amazing yeah you know those things are the things that i take and you know that I enjoy and that I'm really proud to have been a part of and then the other thing that happened was we had two girls join who knew nothing about each other um within a month of training and playing for the team realized that they were actually blood cousins and yeah mental um they came to me and was literally like didn't want to tell anyone or whatever but we've we've like sort of um found out that you know we're related and like they built such a close bond the other the other one of the other players has gone on to go and play for another team which is absolutely fine but the other girl um has stayed with us but they've still got that rapport and relationship and i just feel proud of that as well because like they said would we have known if we hadn't have you know came training been together been around each other and realized and stuff and you cannot put a price on that um, it makes every bit of my commitment and my effort well worthwhile. The football stuff, yeah, great. The first victory you have, the 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 first goal that's scored, those things that establish the club as a history, 
uh, in history, but you know the human side of things is really important, and that's what I love about women's football. And uh, yeah, those moments have been terrific for us. Yeah, absolutely. I can definitely relate to that as well because, like I said, like I've, football's very new to me. I actually always also used to be a netball player as well, but. I kind of tried to join a football team when I was kind of a teenager, but I was quite shy. So I was a bit like, I went for a couple of weeks and it kind of wasn't really for me. And then, yeah, just, I saw a, like a Facebook ad and I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Let's go. And I did. And yeah, I'm just so glad I did because it's opened all of these incredible opportunities up for me within the kind of the grassroots game. And I wouldn't be talking to you if I hadn't done that. So yeah, it's amazing that that's kind of, that opportunity has been afforded. So yeah, that's amazing. So, yeah, no, I like that you've gone for kind of a, a choice kind of of the heart as well, rather than like, oh, yeah, because we won that game. So, yeah, no, I like yeah. that. As much those, as those, those games... Those moments, and here's my theory, at least, a lot of people think about short-term successes. I predicate a lot of my decisions on long-term. And as a byproduct of thinking long-term, you get short-term outcomes as well. Yeah. A lot of people focus on the short term hoping the long term will be okay it's the other way around in my opinion um a byproduct of your long-term thinking will bring on short-term success yeah no i definitely agree um kind of equally what's been your kind of biggest challenge at the club i feel like there's been maybe a few (laughs) (laughs) you're like how long have you got (laughs) uh relationship dynamics Mm. um the dynamic between individual players and their um, what they think is their role and what is actually their role. Yeah. Um, whether that be they demand high standards and expect everyone up to that standard quickly, and I have to encourage those who are already at that standard to understand we've got on the process of those people to get where you're at. Yeah. Um, that's been a challenge. It's been a challenge at times to curb the excitement when things go right. For instance, the first game, our first ever league game, eight, one win. Yeah. Can't be bad, but it creates a, it created a little bit of delusion. Yeah. Um, which then later on meant we went five games without winning after that game. And, having to bring everyone that sort of brings everyone back down to earth anyway yeah but then having to build their confidence from that you know from winning 8-1 and having the delusion to then being like yeah you are a little bit deluded but you're still an incredible people and let's focus on that first Mm. and then performance after and and let result take care of itself but yeah those were the challenging things and then obviously sometimes conflict right whereby you know whereby again um the difference in experiences one wants to win the other one's there to develop the other one's there for social reasons and trying to find a pot for everyone to be placed in in that respect because we started off as a team that were all about sort of like developing long term and like you know no matter what your experience is with us, you can come play for us. But slowly you have to honour the evolution of the club. So you can't always do what my community done to me and put a lid on it. Yeah. Sometimes if the team's ready to go, if the team wants to achieve like success on field, you can't then go, 
oh, but it's all about, but it's all about le- like learning. You still have to make winning part of the learning process as well. And I think that can come with its own challenges. Yeah, no, absolutely. Definitely. Well, <laughs> so kind of, you mentioned evolution there, actually. So what does the kind of future look like for Upton Park, do you think? I mean, you mentioned before as well about how you've kind of started that senior team because you want that trickle down to happen. Yeah, yeah. I want the senior team to not just be an inspiration for each other, but be an inspiration for a new generation, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, so my my thing is that if we could make that team as somebody coming in a youngster 10 with their dad and their dad can see those are good people with good core values Mm. you know they treat people right when they come away from the game they're also you know they behave on the pitch like and all of those things that's what a dad or a mum wants to take their child to football for right yeah they you know no matter whether you're a mum or a dad, a parent, guardian, you want to take your child somewhere that's responsible but teaches those transferable skills as well. My challenge for me was can I, obviously, can I do that with players who are already conditioned to be one way? Yeah. Can I recondition or shape them yeah. to be, you know, this um, really inspiring person for the younger generations? And so, yeah, our long-term ambition is that, is to have like, you know, from sort of like young age group under eights or whatever it is all the way to the pathway to the first team in order to do that i genuinely think that there has to be a lot of buy-in so a lot of parents now are really fickle in this in where they want their children to go play right so we need to be operating at a high standard Mm. for parents to feel like there's an investment there to be had not financially but just the effort of bringing their parent their children to us so I want us to get as high as we can with the senior team so then we can have a larger impact on a wider scale. For me, I would love, and I like, I'm not somebody, like I told you, who keeps a lid on myself. So I would love us to be in National League. Yeah. Like I would love us to be there. Mm-hmm. But we're also going to honour the league that we're in right now. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I hate to be Pep Guardiola, but we're going to focus on like the day to day and that will get, it will get us there. Um, but one of the things that I'm more passionate about is trying to find a home. Yeah. Um, trying to find a home that is within our community of like Newham, the borough of Newham. Yeah. Um, where we can establish our own ground, our own facilities, yeah. and then we can start to have events there for families. We can have charitable charitable events. We can have everything in-house. And I think that's really important for us. And that's been a conversation myself and the charities and partners have been having is can we can we do that? Can we give somewhere that, you know, working class people can come and enjoy the sport yeah. and and the professional game in the men's game as well has become like almost like an upper class sport because of the high demands of like prices and stuff like that so let's go back to the working class people and can we can we help them and i think it would benefit us having our own home to do that 
Yeah, absolutely. It just gives you kind of a little bit of um, creative control, I guess, then, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. So you kind of are dictating kind of the facilities and stuff like that, then aren't mm-hmm. you, really? Yeah, no, I totally get that. And I can see, like, kind of creating that hub is definitely so important in terms of... When you consider as well the kind of, like, kind of struggles that... Like, a lot of girls kind of feel their kind of accessibility and like their inclusivity is still not there because kind of they don't have that opportunity to have that kind of hub do they so the fact that kind of that's in the future plans for Upton Park is yes really inspiring if anything actually thanks there's so much that can come off it you know like working with a college or a local college or um organization that can help you know run through different programs so hopefully we'll we'll be able to train multiple times a week it can be a part-time thing for these girls who are also looking to transition to professional football maybe we could become a feeder club as well there's so much scope for it Mm. Um, and I think in an area where in Newham it's one of the it's one of the boroughs that is financially like impacted a considerable amount. The wage average wage here in this borough is not great. Yeah. Um, so it's something that we're targeting. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Interesting. That kind of segues nicely into kind of a sort of broader discussion on kind of women's football in general. So kind of let's start with where do you think the kind of biggest challenges in women's football is right now? Um, the lack of forward thinking um, being shown by certain bodies of the <laughs> of the league. You know, I've like you know, I respect the jobs that people are doing. I just feel like there needs to be more players that are, that have been involved in the women's game, and it doesn't need to be people that have played in the WSL to have an impact. It can be people that played at National League, grassroots, who can like get in there and have a bit more of a say. Yeah. Um, Rather than, we always do that with pundits, with everything. We always look to like the highest league as, you know, the people that need to encourage us. But some of those people have spent their whole life in academies, Mm. not knowing what grassroots is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get someone grassroots in there who's forward thinking, got a passion for the game, doesn't want it to just be a stepping stone. Mm. <coughs> Philip Neville. <laughs> and, uh, you know, someone who who wants to actually make an impact for the right reasons. The only problem is, is the only problem I foresee as well going forward is as much as I want the women's game to grow, and I really do, Trust me when I say this, I really do. But on the other hand, I don't want it to. And let me explain. Mm. I don't want women's football to become this Gucci handbag Lamborghini lifestyle. Yeah. Because it's exactly what it needs to be in this moment right now. Mm. And we try and control too much of it. And it becomes something that we don't recognise. Yeah. And this is why people are losing their connection to male football at the highest level because the connection with its people is missing. Mm. And it's missing because even though we want the astronomical wages, do we really? Or do women... I have a feeling women just want to feel like it can be a full-time career and they haven't got to work in a bank alongside it. Yeah. Yeah? 
Mm-hmm. I've spoke to a couple of like pro footballers recently in the women's game. Uh, we've got two on a call tonight for the team, and every time I speak to these people, they just say, "I want to be able to do this sport full time without my job." Yeah, yeah. So that's the forward thinking we need. We don't need to be comparing it to the men's game, and we certainly don't need to create these egotistical, you know. Um, scenarios where there is bravado coming into the into the women's game we need to keep the purity of football within the women's game mm. those are the problems that i see hopefully someone keeps a bit of a lid on that yeah no i totally agree i think it's on a kind of real knife edge in terms of its kind of professionalism right now and it could quite easily swing either way couldn't it and i absolutely agree that i think we want to kind of as much as we want that professionalism and we want the drive there. And like you say, like you don't want to be working in a bank kind of one day and then popping off the training for the next. Like, yeah, no, I totally get that. I think as well, I think a lot of it you kind of, it's like, could you imagine a Premier League footballer kind of doing a law degree, for example? Like just, it seems mad, doesn't it? But yeah, that kind of uncertainty is there right now. So it's just about which way it kind of swings in terms of that professionalism. So yeah, no, I absolutely agree that maybe we don't need those big, massive wages. We just need that kind of security. Security, yeah, security. And, And then it goes back to what I was saying previously about removing the subconscious thought patterns of we don't deserve X, Y, Z. Once you create, the opportunity at least to choose some people might choose to do the bank and the football that's cool i admire that but the choice has to be there for these women that's all we we need we need to give them the choice the ability to choose that for themselves instead of it being forced yeah absolutely so that was kind of the challenges they face what equally what do you think is the kind of place where women's football is making strides where are they kind of using that positivity do you think I think um, I think they have the potential, especially with a lot of the racism that's going on right now, they have the potential to have a massive impact in that discussion, I believe. Mm. Um, I believe there's a lot more authenticity with the conversation that women in the game have. And, you know, I listen to even... Um, pundits that you know female pundits and when i'm listening i kind of like feel like you actually believe that and you actually mean that Mm. you know and that's the difference between saying something just because you're paid to and saying something because you know you're with as as well like you know women have taken a female pundits have taken a real bashing on like social and stuff over the last few months but they're willing to do that yeah. Because their authenticity and their um, honesty means more to them than what they're getting paid t- to potentially lie about. So I think like that is something that I really admire and something that can really contribute to the um, racism um, discussions. And mm. I think it could actually turn people's heads and make people question their own beliefs and their and some of the the values they have um i think that can be a discussion that women can empower men and women to do that and especially like you know i watch my wife with my daughter and um i realize the influence she has Mm. 
and that can't be taken for granted. So it's important that women in sport and in life in general continue to have those conversations with their daughters and their and their sons to make sure that that's where racism gets turned on its head. Yeah, is in the is in the home, and I think um, you know women's football, but also women in general, you know, can really play a big part. And I don't mean to put pressure on women because it is responsibility of both right yeah i'm just talking about what i see is like women and how they raise their children is like a huge importance and then it goes back to your point where it's like well they need a job with security to help raise their children in the right way so it's like catch 22 right yeah yeah absolutely yeah it's a issue of contention certainly isn't it but yeah yeah absolutely like the power to kind of influence is there and if it's a positive influence then it's great isn't it absolutely sure um so what do you think i mean i feel like we've maybe talked about this already and we've sort of weaved <laughs> it in and out of our discussion anyway but kind of what do you think grassroots football can do to kind of aid the growth and the development of women's football it's a very broad football? statement i feel like i've just made there and asked you but yeah what do you think uh, grassroots what can, can do? grassroots do Grassroots can, first of all, devote their time to understanding that even as a coach, within grassroots football, you don't have to have the ambition to be full-time as a coach Mm. or to work at the highest level to have the most impact. You can have impact from exactly where you are with exactly who you're coaching right now, yesterday, last week, last year. Mm. And you should... I I took something from um, Amber, Crystal Palace, women's player that we spoke to two weeks ago. Yeah, She said to have the most impact where you want to be, coach where you, you are right now. Yeah, And it hit me in a different way. Mm. I had massive ambition. I still do to coach at the very highest level, but you cannot get there without having impact in the level you're at. So focus on where you're at, not where you're heading. Mm. And I think if coaches do that, every coach, assistant coach, fitness coach, full head coach, whatever, if you focus on the players you've got currently, that's the biggest impact. You know, there's a time and place to coach other people and that will come. But, you know, let your let your building of relationships say more about you or just as much about you as your skill set. Yeah. Um, and I think grassroots that can be that can be discovered a little bit more easily because there's not the pressures of result driven business, right? Yeah. Um, second to second to that, I think grassroots can connect with its supporters in a different way yeah even saying supporters now like kind of makes me cringe in a way (laughs) because i'm like grassroots supporters like they should be recognized as family as friends yeah not as fans you know i'm not about to sign no autographs at west ham foundation (laughs) do you know what i mean yeah like these people are our friends and our family that are coming to support the teams Mm. and once we recognize that they're not glorified fans who we can just treat any way which way we want but we have to treat them 
with respect because if you're even if you're at like a decent step in the women's game, like step four, step five, whatever, mm. they, they're still lying in the pockets of those clubs to be able to operate. So we have to start treating them accordingly. And a lot of clubs are doing that with in with due respect. Like, you know, I just want to give a shout out as well while I'm on here to yeah, people like um Bowers and Pitsy who are doing an incredible job. Like Yeah, absolutely. Like of that. You know, um the the people behind the scenes there are in constant contact with me, constantly helping me, constantly giving me advice. You know, I can go to them anytime I want and and they're really great. Another one, AFC Leighton as well, they're they're unbelievable mm. for like, you know, the growth of the women's game. What they do there is phenomenal. So there are some clubs out there that are doing an impeccable job. And you often see as well that a lot of clubs that are having great impact at grassroots and higher are also women's teams that have no male counterparts attached to them as well. And that's a huge benefit and something that we've decided as a club that we want to do throughout. Yeah. Um, and there's clubs at various different levels that are doing something similar, and I think there's a lot of power in that too. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And yeah, like like you said, shout out to those teams. Like that's what this that's the point of this podcast. I'm just growing that women's game. I'm kind of recognizing that like the incredible work that plenty of clubs do. So yeah. No. And and even more so if you can kind of do it independently. Yeah. That's like massive respect to anybody that can do that for sure. Definitely. I think. Um, Again, you know, these people are dedicating their time and attention to uh, help women and help this game grow um, alongside, you know, their jobs. Um, Let's not take the coaches for granted, and especially after lockdown. I don't want to hear anyone complaining that, you know, you've got to do, um, you know, SAQ or you've got to do like, you know, uh, basic ball work or you've got to do some fitness testing like I don't want to hear any of that yeah we've no, been absolutely. locked down for a year now let's get consistency take your holidays before the season starts mm. like and then like you know you've missed you claim to miss this sport give it everything you've got while it's around because you never know when it's taken back away from you yeah no absolutely love that that's a good kind of like finishing point for that discussion, I think. Let's just finish slightly with a uh, little quick fire questions about the squad. Cool. Let's get to know the squad a bit. And yeah. like I said in my pod last week, this is not me trying to bait any of your squad out. Like you can yeah, veto any of the questions. Okay. Who is always late? Uh, Agechi, probably. Yeah, she she's late. Tash as well. <laughs> Uh, also, who's turning up at the wrong venue or forgetting their kit? Paige forgets your kit. <laughs> there was a player that we had come down to... I invited down to get to trial with, with us or like at least like come down and just open train. Yeah. Um, and uh, she turned up at West Ham Foundation, but we train at Power League. So, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, so... But she's not part of the team. She obviously didn't didn't get much fear from them <laughs> <laughs> yeah not a good start that was an indication of how it was going to go um who is scoring your winning goal this one would be contested wouldn't it <laughs> um i'm sticking charlie on penalties yeah. every day mm-hmm. i'm sticking a getchy in a one-to-one situation yeah um and I'm putting either Aya or 
Kiara on free kicks. Nice, I like it. You've kind of avoided like answering that question. <laughs> just one person there as well. I like it. <laughs> uh, equally, who's missing it? <laughs> who's missing it? Yeah. Who's missing it? Uh, <laughs> trying to go through the positions now, just to. If it makes you feel so better, that, I would probably nominate myself for this because, like, I'm, I'm naturally I'm a left back, but I've yeah, been I'm playing striker safe. a few times, and I'm not a striker at all. <laughs> I'm going safe with our two centre backs. Yeah, like two of the centre backs we have, either Ellie or Ash, are probably missing. Nice. Yeah, I think I pick. I uh, Craig picked a defender last week as well. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, defenders are a safe bet. I think. Um, who is most competitive? Dominica, she used to play for her country um, under, you know, under 21s, under 17s, um, nice. that type of um, range. So she's really competitive, mm. demands high standards. And uh, Aya and Reina as well, they, they do too. And then Charlie's like, all, Charlie's like always been a bit of a squabbler when it comes to like <laughs> people not pulling their weight or whatever. So. Nice. Um, They're not passing the ball to me, that sort of thing, yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, who waits till match day to turn on the heat? Who waits till match day to turn on the heat? Those people that like are just a little bit too chill at, chill yeah, at training and then you. suddenly Sunday comes and it's just like absolute fire. Kay's probably like that. Kiara, yeah, she's probably like that. Like, she's one of the players that I've been like, sometimes equally frustrated with because yeah. like there's a baller in there like proper <laughs> baller i'm talking yeah, yeah, yeah. like pff, scary um but she's like Birbatov with the like late <laughs> like she she's like that laid back she's nearly horizontal yeah 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 like, I know exactly you know? what you mean <laughs> <laughs> nice and um, final one who is your team hype woman who's getting everyone going on match day oh i know this without even debating it Cash. <laughs> Tash is like Tash Yates is like the ultimate fan girl. Like she could be dropped for the next seven games and she'd be at every seven with a flag scarf hat. <laughs> and then like shout out to uh, Amy Holder as well, who used to play for us. Mm. Um, on occasions, I literally had to say to her like, you know, pipe down because the ref's gonna come and send me off here for you talking like for your <laughs> shouting, you know. Yeah. Um, She's a diehard West Ham fan, so I think the Upton Park got to your heart, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Love that. Cool. That is my quick fire questions over. Good one. You didn't even veto any of them either. I'm impressed. <laughs> nah, the there... team know I'd dig them out anyway. <laughs> Love that. Is there anything else you wanted to add to this? You, are, you guys are recruiting at the moment, aren't you? Do you want to? Yeah. Of... Yeah. Yeah. So it's a bit of a plea, really. I guess <laughs> more than a more than anything else. I've put so much into trying to help this team establish itself within the league that we have, but also the community. So first of all, complete, like, please feel as a community listening and watching or to this, um, please get behind us. Please get behind the girls. You know, we're not asking for any financial transfer. We're mm -hmm. just asking for your time and energy because we genuinely feel the girls of our community, of our city, deserve it mm. um second of all um i've been posting out a lot about it and it's a very difficult thing to get going at grassroots level mm. but 
we need vo- like we need volunteers you know i need we need people who are going to come and help out at training uh we need a we need a goalkeeper coach which i think is really important i spoke about it earlier on about how we need to have the right coaches around these women if they're going to learn and create the right standards and yeah. stuff so i think it's important we have specialized coaches as well um so a goalkeeper coach would be great if you if you if you are one um or you're looking to get involved in a coaching capacity not just goalkeeper coach but coach in general yeah anyone that wants to help like with regards to the media side in terms of like even doing a putting a podcast together <laughs> or like you know um just helping post out the live scores as they happen all of this coming together it all helps the team grow it all helps us establish this in the community and ultimately when we do get to that end goal you people who have helped will be cemented in that in that history but also have the pride in knowing that you played your part in that yeah like it's almost a beg almost because <laughs> i genuinely hope people listening to this and listening to anything else that i do really understand that we're a very open club who are willing and accepting to have anyone from experience to people just starting out on the ladder especially female coaches like i want more yeah. like me and jack you know two lads like we want more females in and around the girls as well so please if you're listening to this i've been struggling to find you yeah. now you've if you're listening to this you're here for a reason to join us so come <laughs> and uh come and be a part of it yeah and just just come and celebrate what we're doing um because i genuinely believe um in a year from now two years from now people will be talking about what an incredible job um all of our volunteers done because i genuinely think we're going places so mm. appreciate it and thanks for your time of course oh not a problem at all i feel like that's a good kind of ending point for us there so thank you so much for coming on to be part of episode two of match <laughs> fix i feel like this is a kind of like a to be continued as well i feel like we'll be having another conversation again like in a few months yeah. time, maybe maybe at the end of the season so yeah thank you without so much love that okay And thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in to episode two of the latest series in the Selk podcast production of Matchfix. Expect to hear many more interviews from those involved in the women's grassroots game, as well as news, history and everything else in between. And remember, it's OK not to be OK. So if you ever want to reach out, I'm always happy to chat football or anything else for that matter. So feel free to get in touch with me on social media. Stay safe out there, wear a mask, wash your hands, follow the guidelines and catch you all soon for episode three. I've been your host, Abby, and you've been listening to Match Fix. This week's Selk podcast was brought to you by Down to Play, the simple app for next game availability.